Well, I want to tell you about Jim and Susie. Jim and Susie were in their 90s. So they had lived a long time, and they were both single. So they were dating. Well, one evening, Jim thought to himself, I think it's time. I think I found the one. So he decides that he is going to propose to Susie. Well, Susie surprisingly uh, didn't expect it, and she said, yes, Jim, I will marry you. Well, they were both excited. They celebrated. Then they went their separate ways to go home. Well, the next morning, Jim woke up, and he thought to himself, last night, I know I proposed to Susie, but I just can't remember what her answer was. Did she say yes or did she say no? So he thought, well, I'm going to wait for her to call. Well, he waited and he waited and he waited and didn't hear from her. Well, the anticipation was killing him, so he decided he was going to call. So he calls and Susie answers the phone and he says, Susie, last night when I proposed, I just can't remember if you said yes or no. She said, is this Jim? He said, yes, it is. She said, oh, Jim, I'm so glad you called. I know that someone proposed to me last night. I just can't remember who I said yes to. <laughs> well, there's one for you. <laughs> Well, my friends, this morning we are starting, and I'm starting a, a little mini-series, and this is part one of Get Ready for Revival. Amen. Get ready for revival. When we get ready for something, we expect it to come. Amen? And so this morning, we are getting ready for revival. We're looking forward to our revival services that are happening at the end of September, and as we prepare for that, we want to get ready for for it. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20? And today we'll look at uh, part one, and next week we will continue on with part two. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. But let's begin by prayer. Let us pray. Father, indeed, this morning we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us here, and we know that each person here is not here by accident, but by your will. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would open up our hearts and our minds, that you would quiet our hearts and all the things that are going on around us to distract us. Help us to focus on you, and we pray that your spirit would speak and would move, and that, Lord, you would have your way this morning. And so, God, we open up ourselves to hear from you, and we commit ourselves anew and afresh. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Second Chronicles chapter 20, and as you're turning there, just to give you some background information about that, in Second Chronicles chapter 17, we read about a man named Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. Jehoshaphat was blessed by the Lord, and he was actually a very godly leader. In verse 5 of chapter 17, we read, The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so that he had great wealth and honor. 
Then in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 17, we read, Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful. He built forts and store cities in Judah and had large supplies in the towns of Judah. He also kept experienced fighting men in Jerusalem. In other words, he was very rich and successful. Jehoshaphat had a lot. He was rich, he was successful, people looked to him. But you see, Jehoshaphat didn't just receive all of these gifts and these things because of his position, because he was king. He received them because he found favor with the Lord. He found favor with God and in turn, God blessed him. In verses three, four, and six, it says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. You see, Jehoshaphat was devoted to God, and because of that, God blessed him. Then we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where I've asked you to turn, it says this, it says, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar, that is, Angedi, alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. You see, these three groups of people that we read about, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites, they decided that they were going to join together to attack Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. In other words, Jehoshaphat was doing well, and they became jealous of him and decided he shouldn't have that, but we should go and we should take it from him. They were not happy for him and the things that he had. And because of jealousy, they decided that they were going to wage war on him and come after him and decide to try to take this from him. You see, unfortunately, it shows us human nature sometimes. That human nature causes us to get jealous and envious, but God says not to do that. God says to rejoice with those who rejoice, Amen. to be happy for those who rejoice. And sometimes it can be difficult for us to be happy for other people when we see them doing well and we're still waiting for our blessing. When we see them prospering and we feel like nothing is happening to us. But God tells us to rejoice, to not be envious, to not want what they want and have and to want to take it from them, but to wait because I'll tell you something, what God has for you, you will get. And so wait upon the Lord. Be happy for those who are doing well because your time will come. And so these people did not want to wait, but they wanted to go and to take from him because they were jealous. And so we see that they decide to attack. They attack uh, and they're coming up upon Jehoshaphat and Judah. So an attack was coming and Jehoshaphat heard that it was coming. He heard that they were coming to attack the people. So what is the first thing that he decides to do? 
Well, it wasn't that we're going to fight back and everyone get ready. It wasn't that we're going to put a strategy in place to go and outsmart them. It wasn't even to get your weapons ready for when they were going to come. Or let's join allies with another group of people to try to be stronger than them. He said to the people in verse 3, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. He saw that an attack was coming, and instead of getting ready to fight, he said, we need to pray. We need to seek God on this one. We need to ask God for his direction and for his will and what he's wanting us to do. You see, he inquired of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. That means everybody was involved. Everyone was part of this. You see, sometimes when we're in crisis time in life, we, we may try to take upon ourselves to do things to resolve it. We may talk to other people. We may try to go out of our way to solve the problem or put it in someone else's hands to try to solve it. We may do all of these other things to try and resolve the crisis or the issues that are going on in our life. When God God says, give it to me. I'm more than capable of handling it. And he wants us to come to him. He wants us to seek him. And in order for us to get ready for revival, we can get ready for revival by seeking the Lord first for all of your needs. Seeking the Lord first for all of your needs. In verses 3 and 4, we're told that that's what Jehoshaphat did for the people. Jehoshaphat looked to the Lord and encouraged his people to do the same, encouraged his people to also seek the Lord. He encouraged them to pray and to fast together. Not some of them, but all of them to come together to pray and fast. And you see, my friends, that is how we move the hand of God, by praying and fasting and seeking God. That is what he desires. Amen. We are a church that believes in the power of prayer. Amen. And I want to challenge you. We, we've talked about this, and you know it. But I want to really challenge you to make prayer a priority. We have our 12-hour prayer vigil coming up on Saturday, September 14th, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Now, you don't have to come and stay the whole 12 hours, but come for part of that time at least, and let's pray for the needs around us. Let's come together and pray for the needs. The first Saturday of every month, we have a time of prayer and fasting. I want to challenge you to make it a priority to put aside that time to come together with other believers and pray. Make prayer a priority in your life. Amen. Every week you see a prayer sheet in your bulletin. That's not just there by accident, but it's there intentionally for us to pray for the needs of other people, to intercede. Use that prayer sheet on a regular basis to pray for the people. It doesn't matter if you know them or not. Pray for them. Pray for those people because together we can move the hand of God. Together we are to pray and to fast and to do something. So he came and he issued this fast for all of Judah, and he wanted them to pray together. Well, we read that it was all Judah, so that means that it not only was adults, 
but it was also teenagers and children who were involved in that. It wasn't just for some people, but it was for everyone. You see, we have a responsibility to teach our children, to teach our young people, to teach them the ways of the Lord, and not just when they're older, but from a young age. And so take that responsibility seriously in setting an example for them in every way. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it tells us, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Are you setting an example for others? Are you setting an example for your children and your young people in everything that you do, in every aspect of your life? Are you setting an example for them by being regular in worship on Sundays? Are you setting an example by being here and being regular? Or is it that when you go to bed too late on a Saturday, it doesn't matter what time you wake up on a Sunday? Is it that you prefer to go to sporting events or some other concert or some other outing instead of being regular in the house of the Lord or you decide to do something else? Are you setting an example to know that worshiping the Lord is a priority? Are you setting an example about being generous in your financial giving to the work of the Lord? Are you setting that example? You see, the Lord requires us to give back a portion of what he has blessed us with. That's not what we pastors or the church has put in place, but it's what God says. And he desires for us to be generous people, to be generous to the work of the, the Lord, to be generous to other people who are in need. You see, when God blesses us, he also expects us to bless other people, to be generous, giving people. Are you setting an example by having a consistent prayer life? Are you praying and reading your Bible on a regular basis and studying God's word? Or are you too busy doing other things that it doesn't seem to be a priority? Are you waking up early enough to make Sunday school a priority? You see, Sunday school is so important, and there are a lot of people who don't take it seriously, but there are not very many other places that children, young people, and adults can come and learn solid biblical teaching aside from Sunday school. And so I challenge you, are you setting an example? We have Sunday school for all ages. It's not just for children, but children, young people, adults. There are many different classes. Are you making Sunday school a priority? It says that all the men of Judah, in verse 13, with their wives and children and little ones, stood before the Lord all of them. So it means that a whole family unit came. It wasn't just some of the family, but everyone came and they stood before the Lord. They came to fast and to pray together as a family. Are you setting that example for your family? Here's a challenge for you. I want to challenge you. In September, starting in September, Wednesday nights here at Rosewood, I like to consider family nights here at Rosewood. Here's why. We have our Caravan Club program for children up to grade six. We have our Club NAS program for, for young people up to grade nine. We have our youth Bible study for teens up to grade 12. We have our adult Bible study happening in the balcony for 
young adults, adults, everyone. And so I want to challenge you. As they said, the men, the women, the children, the little ones came together to make Wednesday night family night. To make Wednesday night family night where you come and as a family, you participate in studying God's word and learning about God. Wednesday night. So Jehoshaphat sought the Lord for help and for guidance. Are you seeking the Lord for his help and for his guidance in every area of your life? Or are you trying to resolve things on your own? First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 tells us, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Continually doesn't just mean sometimes. It doesn't just mean when you're in trouble or you need something. It means all the time, continually. Are we seeking God all the time when things are good and when they're not so good? Are we seeking God all the time? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 tells us, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, when we seek God first and we put his will above ours, he takes care of all of our needs. He takes care of it, but he wants to know that he is a priority, that we put him first, that we acknowledge that he is the most important one in our lives that he is the priority for us. Are you seeking God and are you putting him first in every aspect of your life? So we're told to seek the Lord continually. Jehoshaphat caused the people to put it as a priority, to make prayer and fasting and seeking God a priority over just going out and fighting a battle on their own. It continues on uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20 continues on in verse 5 saying, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, the God of our ancestors, you are, not, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God... Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary to your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Verse 10 goes on to say, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
You see, Jehoshaphat proclaimed to the people and to God by saying, you gave us this place. We promised that we were going to build a place with your name on it, that place that we were going to worship you, and we're going to stand firm, that no matter what comes, no matter the sword, calamity, famine, no matter what comes our way, we're going to stand firm and praise you for who you are. Are you standing firm when things come your way? Or do you shake a little and say, God, I I don't know anymore. Are you standing firm and know, God, you are worthy to be praised. It doesn't matter when I'm on the mountaintop or if I'm walking through the valley. You are the same God and you are worthy to be praised. Jehoshaphat told them, that we're going to stand here. He mentioned that when they originally came out of Egypt, God told them not to attack those people. So at one point, they were on good terms. But now all of a sudden, these people who they may have considered, let's say a friend, has turned against them and has now come to attack them. And instead of fighting, they're committing the situation into God's hands. They're committing this into God's hands. Stick with me. He says, instead of fighting, we're going to praise you. We're going to look to you. We're going to seek you, O Lord. I'm certain that most of the people, a lot of them, would have been scared. There's an army coming to fight us, and instead of our king telling us, you know, what we're going to do to protect ourselves, here we are praying. Instead of our king getting us ready for battle, we're standing here praying, how is this going to help our situation? But Jehoshaphat knew that we are not strong enough to fight this battle on our own. We need God. In order for us to get ready for revival, we need to know that even when our enemies attack, God is still in control. Even when our enemies attack, God is still in control. The enemies were coming against Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, but he he came and he commanded the people to pray and to fast and to wait on the Lord. In fact, we read God saying to us in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, reminding us not to be afraid, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, there are times where we can become so afraid. We can become so full of fear because of what's going on around us. And Jehoshaphat admitted in verse 12, he said, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord. We don't have any power. There are people coming against us right now, and we're not strong enough to fight them. But our eyes are on you because you are the one who fights our battles. Our eyes are on you because you are the one who is strong enough, who is able to fight our battles. You see, even when our enemies come against us and our enemies take different forms, our enemies can take different forms in our life. Sometimes it is the form of people who we may feel are our enemies, but sometimes our enemies can be different things. It can be sickness, it can be our job situation, it can be our financial situation, it can be the devil himself coming to cause havoc in our lives. There are different enemies that we experience in life. 
And so when our enemies come against us, we can still rest assured that God is still in control. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I feel overwhelmed by things going on. Any of you feel that? Maybe sometimes you feel it. Maybe you're feeling it even right now. But I want to remind you that even when we feel overwhelmed by our situations, even when things are not going the way that they should be going, even when we feel like everything in our life just seems to be going wrong, that nothing seems to be going right, that what else can there be that will go wrong, that God is still in control. That God is still in control. And you know, Sometimes when we ask people how they are, when people ask you who they are, okay, we may say, oh, we're fine. We're okay. You know, we're, we're okay. You see, Jesus didn't die so that you could be okay. <laughs> Jesus died so that we could be victorious. Jesus died so that we could walk in his power and his authority over the situations that come our way. And I'm tired of feeling defeated at times. I'm tired of walking in defeat, knowing that these things are holding me down. Are you tired of it as well? You see, this morning, I believe that God wants to break some chains. This morning, I believe that God wants to take us out of our bondage because there are so many things that are holding us back. There are so many enemies that are coming our way to attack us. And I'm tired of the devil having a foothold and being able to do that. I'm tired of feeling defeated and seeing my brothers and sisters being defeated. And sometimes we, there are different reasons for it. But sometimes I think the reason that we're being defeated or feeling defeated is because we allow the devil to have a foothold in our life. That we allow him to take control and to do what he wants to do instead of getting on our knees and fighting that battle. You see, the battle is not ours to do by ourselves, but it's give to the Lord for him to fight on our behalf. He tells us our battle that we face is not against flesh and blood. It's not against our brothers and our sisters. It's not against the other people, but it's a spiritual battle that's going on that is only won when we get down on our knees and we pray and we give it to God. We're told that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That is how the battle is won. I don't know a lot of things that you may know, but one thing I know for sure, that there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break the chains of your past and the things that you have gone through and the things that you have done that are still holding you in bondage today. There is power in the name of Jesus to break the chains of sickness and illness that are holding you back, that are making you feel crippled, that are making you feel like life is just not worth going on. There is power in the name of Jesus to break the chains of bondage that are holding your children and your grandchildren back from progressing in life. There is power in the name of Jesus to break chains that are holding you back from finding that job that you're looking for, to get that financial breakthrough that you need. There are There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain that you have today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That even when your enemies come against you, 
God is still in control to break every chain. When we believe that and when we get on our knees and we allow God to fight our battle for us, that's when revival comes. That's when revival comes, not when we try to fight it because guess what? We can't fight this battle on our own. And we need to remember that, that the battle is not ours, but it's God's. So stop trying to fight something that you can't win on your own. Stop trying to fight it because you're not going to win on your own. Give it to God. He tells us, those who wait on me will renew their strength. He tells us that he is in control. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 tells us, if God is for us, who can be against us? In Psalm 27, verse 1 and 3, 1 to 3, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me and devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even though I will be confident. Even then, I will be confident. Why? Because God is still in control. Amen. Get ready for revival by giving God your battle and saying, God, you fight it. I'm not strong enough. We're going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and to get ready. And we're actually going to sing that song, Jan, if it's okay. Break every chain. That we're going to sing that. Because I believe this morning that there are chains that need to be broken. That there are people who are just living in bondage today. And you need to stop being concerned about what other people think. About what other people have to say. But be concerned about getting out of that bondage. About being free and being able to move on. And to progress and be blessed by God. And stop feeling defeated because we have victory in Jesus. Jesus. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we sing this closing song, as we sing this song, I want you to feel free. Whether it's by yourself, whether it's with your husband or wife or your children, whoever it is, I want you symbolically to come forward, whether you're standing or you're kneeling at the altar. And by coming forward, whether you're by yourself or with your family, you are saying, God, as a family, as a family unit, as a family of God, we are not going to allow our enemies to defeat us anymore. But together we are giving you our battle and we are saying, God, you fight on our behalf because we have victory. God has given us the power and the authority to, to walk over Satan and to feel victorious. And this morning, we're giving him our situations and we are telling him, God, you fight our battle for us because we need to break these chains. As we sing, you feel free to come. As we break these chains, Pastor Nick and I will pray for you, but you come symbolically giving God your battle.
Father, indeed, you have started something. And we pray that you would ignite something within us, oh God, to no longer be satisfied with where we are and being okay, but that you would help us, oh God, that you would cover us with your blood, that you would send your angels to encamp around us, that you would help us in every area of our life to walk in your victory, to know who we are, that we are your child, that you would help us, oh God, to remove the chains of bondage. Lord, may you break each chain in the name of Jesus, because we know that there is power in your name. And so, Father, we pray for breakthrough we pray for things to happen we pray for you to cause things to start oh Lord and we know that what you have started that you will see to completion and so this morning help us to leave this place different going deeper in relationship with you remove the stumbling blocks remove the hindrances remove the people that are holding us back from being the people that you've called us to be and so God help us would you help us oh God in every area of our life we pray that you would help prepare our hearts and our minds for revival for what you have in store for us as individuals as a family and as a church and so God we thank you for your power we thank you for your promises and we thank you that we can give you our battle and know that you fight it for us and so God go with us as we leave this place in the powerful name of your son Jesus we pray Amen. Amen. God bless you.